Good morning. Good to be back with you this morning. Let's uh, open with a word of prayer. God in heaven, thank you for this day, for the blessing uh, to gather with your people. Father, prepare our hearts uh, for the reading of your word. Turn our minds to you, our hearts to you. Calm our worries, the distractions that weigh us down uh, so that we might attend uh, to all that your word has to say. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Today for our sermon, I'll be focusing on Psalm 84, which can be found on page 584 of your pew Bible. Um, And so as you're turning there, or if you're already there, uh, you'll notice in the margin that there are two little words uh, at the end of verse 4, the end of verse 8. The word is Selah. Some think that's a a musical term. Um, Others say that it means to pause and take notice. Uh, So as I read through this verse, I'm going to to pause at those moments where you see the word Selah to allow us to reflect on what the, the psalmist is saying. So Psalm 84, found on page 584. To the choir master, according to the Gittith, a psalm of the sons of Korah. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. At your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Selah. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, and whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord, God of hosts, hear our prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Selah. Behold, our shield, O God, look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When I say that someone is journeying home, what usually comes to your mind? For some of us, the concept of home is is a place where we grew up. And so we imagine those familiar roads, those familiar signposts, Those landmarks, maybe sights, smells, sounds. Uh, For me, journeying home from college, 
I would often, uh, as I was driving from uh, Calvin College in Grand Rapids, Michigan, home to the shores of Cleveland, Ohio, I always knew as I was driving down I-90, when I saw this big red barn, that I was only about 45 minutes from home. And I could sense the, the excitement anticipation uh, that I was close. Maybe for others of you, the journey home is not so much about what you see, but about what you smell. You wake up that first morning where you're home and you can smell the coffee brewing and the buttermilk biscuits baking and the bacon and eggs going. And if you didn't have breakfast this morning, I'm sorry. For others of us, home constitutes where we are now. And so when you go home after church today, it's, you know, when you round that bend or when you see the the Blue Ridge Mountains, you know that you're home. Well, the sons of Korah, the authors of Psalm 84, they provide a, a lovely depiction of their yearning to be home. Their yearning to be home in the dwelling place in the house of the Lord. Blessed are those who yearn to be with God. And so we see here in Psalm 84 that it's, it's nicely divided, thanks to those selahs, it's nicely divided into three sections. The psalmist is yearning for the house of the Lord, verses 1 through 4. The psalmist is then journeying to the house of the Lord, verses 5 through 8, with the selah breaking that second part. And then that third section is that the psalmist is resting in the house of the Lord, verses 9 through 12. So the yearning, the journeying, and the resting in the house of the Lord. So first, the yearning of the house of the Lord. Have you ever had an extreme yearning for something, a longing for something? How many of you went away for summer camp as a kid? All right, a few of you. Do any of you remember that first night when you were at camp? I remember my first night. I was homesick. I didn't know these kids. I didn't know some of the kids in my tent. Was not sure what I was getting myself into. And my counselor took me outside, and we sat down and talked at a uh, picnic table there and just talked about the week and all the fun that we were going to have. But there was a, a yearning. There was a longing that I had to go home. I'm glad I stayed. It was a a fantastic week. But likewise, the psalmist had an extreme longing, a yearning to be with God in the temple in Jerusalem. As uh, as Philip mentioned, there wasn't a, a, a temple on every corner like we have today. They didn't have the luxury of just being able to go down the street to their closest church. They had to travel miles and miles and miles to Jerusalem. The temple was the presence of where God could be found. And so that's where the psalmist wanted to be. His total attention, his longing, was to be with the Lord of hosts. So much so that we see that phrase for God, the Lord of hosts, used four times throughout the psalm. Look in verse 1 and 3, 8 and 10. We see him repeat, O Lord, God of hosts, or in some translations, O Lord, God Almighty. 
And so his whole person wanted to be with God. How do we know this? We'll look at verse 2. He says, My soul longs, yes, faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart, meaning his inner self, my heart, and my flesh, his, his outer self, my flesh, sing for joy to the living God. This was an entire holistic desire that the psalmist had to be with God. A consuming longing for God's house and for God himself. And you almost get the sense as you go on in the psalm in verse 3 that the psalmist is envious of the birds. Look look at verse 3 with me. Even the sparrows find a home and the swallow a nest for herself. You get a sense there's this enviousness. He wants to be there but can't be there. But here are these birds that get to be there 24-7, 365. They get to lay their young there at your altars, O Lord of hosts. The psalmist wishes, longs, desires to be there. The psalmist yearned to be in God's house. Blessed are those who yearn to be with the Lord. So think back to the prodigal son passage that Ed just read for us in Luke 15. When the prodigal son comes to his realization, when he comes to his senses, he realizes how poor he is, how he's squandered everything that he had. He realizes how hungry he is. Whenever you are longing to eat what pigs are eating, uh, that's not a good sign. He realizes, he recognizes how foolish he had been to leave his father's house, and now he desires to go back home. He yearned to be with his father. He yearned to be in his father's house and to experience all the blessings that come with being in his father's house. Friday, I was with the daughter of a hospice patient, and we were talking about all that she was going through with her mom. We were talking about all that was going on in our world. Uh, This particular woman had lost a son, young in his life, and she just talked about her desire to be with Jesus, her hunger to go home, to go to be in heaven. Later that Friday afternoon, I was with another patient in her late 90s, bedbound, not able to talk a whole lot, and she asked me, why am I still here? I want to go home to be with the Lord. I don't know about you, but hearing the stories, seeing the pictures coming out of Ukraine, it makes my heart hurt. It makes me long for all of Christ's followers to be called home, for Jesus to come back. So if we were to take our spiritual temperature this morning, what would our yearning, what would our longing Register on that thermometer. Would your thermometer be a, an icy below 32 degrees, maybe in the 20s? Or maybe a mild, comfortable room temperature of, of 68 degrees? 
Or maybe you're at that spot where you're at that normal, healthy body temperature, 98.6. Or is your, yawn, is your longing, is your yearning causing you to burn up with a fever of 103? Take some time today, I would encourage you, in prayer, pray this week, God, increase my longing to be with you. Increase my desire to be in your word. Pray the words of verse 8. O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Increase my longing for you. How great it would be to echo the psalmist's words, My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. Blessed are those who yearn to be with God. Selah. Well, we've looked at the, the psalmist yearning to go home in verses 1 through 4. Now let's, let's look at the psalmist journeying to the house of the Lord, verses 5 through 8. We see that he's on a journey. Blessed are those whose strength is in you and whose heart are the highways to Zion. He is heading back to the temple. He is on pilgrimage. But as we know, blessedness is not something that just happens here in the church building or for him just in the temple. And thank goodness, if we weren't blessed anywhere else, life would be pretty hard. So he's longing, he's journeying back to the temple of God. So he's on a long, hot journey, on foot, through the countryside, from his home to Jerusalem, through the wilderness, to the temple. Long, hot journeys. If you've ever been on one, you know that ultimately you can't trust in your own strength, in your own energy. At some point, maybe you've prayed 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. For Christians today, we know that to receive God's blessings, we don't necessarily have to be within a church building. All we have to do is to receive God's blessings by being in a relationship with him. One of the best blessings of all that Christ gave us is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John 14, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. You know him, for he dwells within you and will be with you. And before Jesus ascended into heaven, he told his disciples, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That is a promise that we can bank on today. And so as we are journeying through this world, as we are journeying through our lives, God is with us. May we remember to yearn for God, to remember that he is with us, that the Holy Spirit is with us on that journey. But as we know, that journey is not always easy. 
the psalmist says in verse 6, as they go through the valley of Baca. Those are not pleasant places. The valley of Baca, they're not, scholars are not totally sure what that means, but they think it is a dry and arid place that all pilgrims would have to travel through to get to the temple. Baca in Hebrew can also mean weeping. And so we see the Valley of Baca is a, is a metaphorical place, a real place, but a metaphorical place of struggle, of weeping, of trial. I'm sure we can all say we've had our share of weeping and trials on our journeys through life. Reminds me on our my third day of uh, 100-mile section hike of the Appalachian Trail through the state of Massachusetts, I was with two other guys, and on that third day, uh, the temperatures was in the upper 90s. Uh, believe it or not, we were walking through a swamp in Massachusetts. Uh, we were getting swarmed by mosquitoes. Uh, it was one of those just miserable days, and we looked. It was myself and two friends from seminary, and we said, Why are we doing this? <laughs> Why did we want to do this? And the one guy had never been hiking before. That was our bad to not prepare him better. And he had an old backpack that he borrowed, also not a good idea. And so in that third day, he's carrying his backpack, and the strap breaks. And he was a older guy, or a, a more overweight guy, not in good shape. He said, I've had it. I'm done. The next street, I'm getting to a phone, and I'm calling Alice, his wife. He was passing through that valley of Baca. Well, he finally came to a road crossing, and thankfully there was a store, and Bill's like, yes, I can call Alice. I'm getting out of here. And my friend Mike and I are thinking, oh, boy. But we were also relieved. A store meant supplies. We quickly came to understand this idea in verse 6, the Valley of Baca. This store was a spring in our valley. This store was the autumn rains that covered our pools. There at that store, we were able to fill our camelbacks, our water bottles, filled with water. The woman gave us a jar of peanut butter. We bought a bunch of other supplies. She had this lovely little gazebo that we were able to sit in in the shade and rest and relax. And there we were able to talk Bill into staying with us. We jerry-rigged his backpack. And so we went from strength to strength, from weakness to then strength that day. Bill was able to see that this store was a blessing, that this store was a gift from God on our little journey. And that night we experienced God's richest blessings, camping on this beautiful, flat platform uh, with the sweet smell of pines all around us, this incredible view. As we, as we journey through the valleys of Baca, God meets us with his grace, giving us pools of water. And so as we think about our own journeys I also think about Luke 15 again, the prodigal son. Remember, it's the son who went away, told his dad, I want my inheritance, and I'm leaving. It's the son who squanders the wealth. It's the son who comes 
eventually to his senses and journeys home. But it's the father who saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. It was the father who didn't even let his son get through his speech that he had rehearsed on his walk there. The father just embraced him, didn't even let him finish. It was the father who said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe, put it on him. Give him a ring for his finger, shoes for his feet. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Wow, what a welcome home party. Blessed are those who repent and journey home. Blessed are those who repent and journey to the house of the Lord. Blessed are those whose strength is in him. Blessed are those who yearn to be with God. Selah. So we've seen the psalmist yearning for the house of the Lord. Verses 1 through 4. We've seen the, the psalmist journey to the house of the Lord, verses 5 through 8. And now in this final section, the psalmist is resting in the house of the Lord in verses 9 through 12. This closing section details a person who trusts in God. And this person would prefer one day in God's court than a thousand elsewhere. So just think of your favorite vacation place. Ed and I were were talking before the service, your cabin in Maine. One day in God's house is better than a thousand days at Ed's cabin in Maine. Your favorite ski run in Colorado can't compare to the courts of the Lord. Your favorite fishing hole can't compare to the courts of the Lord. The sunset at the Outer Banks can't compare. The cruise through the fjords of Norway can't compare to the courts of the Lord. The psalmist desires to be with God. One day is better than a thousand elsewhere. And not only is one day better, but he'd rather be the lowest man in the service of the Lord. He'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to be anywhere else. That phrase, I would rather be a doorkeeper, is only found here in this psalm. We don't see it anywhere else in the Hebrew text, in the Hebrew Bible. And so he would rather, the psalmist would rather be a beggar. If you translate it literally, he'd rather be a beggar laying at the threshold of God's door than be anywhere else. Strong language to show his yearning to be with God. And who wouldn't want to be in God's presence? Look at verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun. God is the source of light. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. God is the, the, the uh, source of protection. The Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Yet we all know people, don't we, who would disagree 
We all know people who would rather dwell in the tents of the wicked than have faith in God. I can still remember vividly in my mind having a conversation with a a college student that I did ministry with um, back at Westminster College in northwest Pennsylvania. And he said, Seth, I don't want to become a Christian. If I become a Christian, I can't sleep around anymore. And I'd rather be able to sleep with whoever I want than to follow Christ. Because I know if I follow Christ, I have to stop that living. And so for that young man, he preferred to dwell in bed with the wicked than be in relationship with Christ. So what do we do with those who reject God? All we can do is love them, pray for them, pray like crazy that God would change their hearts. Arguing, convincing, you know that. It doesn't, doesn't change them. It only puts greater space between you. We have to pray, pray that God would change them. That is, as C.S. Lewis said, the hound of heaven would go after them. That God would change the direction of their journey. That God would bring them home to him. And when God changes their heart, when God changes the course of their journey, they will receive the Lord's favor, just like that prodigal son. Now, will God unconditionally share that honor and favor? Well, no, we have to play a part. We have, out of the gratitude of our hearts, we respond. The prodigal son still had to turn and go his way home. The prodigal son had to repent and confess and live differently. Out of gratitude for God's transforming work, we desire to walk uprightly. And so there's grace in that journey. There's grace when we look at the story of the prodigal son. The son had to repent. The son had to humble himself. The son had to turn around and come home. But it was God. It was the father who knew that he would come home. But God. It was the father who was watching and waiting for the prodigal son. But God. It was the father who exchanged his filthy rags for the righteous robe. But God. It was the father who gave him the son, gave the son a ring and shoes for a feet. But God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. But God left the 99 in the wilderness to search out that one that was lost. But God was the one who lit a lamp and looked throughout the house for that lost coin. But God rejoices with all of heaven when one sinner repents. But God, he gives rest when we trust in him. And so my question is, do we trust in him today? Do we yearn for him today? Those who yearn for God, those who journey to him, they will be blessed. They will find rest in the courts 
of the Lord. Blessed are those who yearn to be with God. Selah. Let's pray.